This Sunday is going to be no like, no, like no other Sunday, because this Sunday you're going to do something. You're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and enter your hearts, and you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and make you uncomfortable. You're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and challenge you, and you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come so that the person who walked through that door is not going to be the same person that walks out of that door today. Amen. That's the expectation. It's always good to set expectations, isn't it? Well, it's great to be back with you. Linda and I were away last week. We were celebrating Linda's 85th birthday. Um, so it was great. She looks good on it. Uh, I want to thank Nathan for coming and sharing the word. I hear that it was a real time of blessing. I hear he was really good, so he's not coming again. Um, and uh, I know that what he said actually touched a number of your lives. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on uh, this morning. Uh, but we're growing. Uh, we're looking to grow more like Jesus, looking to grow in our spiritual lives, looking by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit to grow in areas of our lives that need attention. And we are two months into this year of growth, uh, and I hope you're beginning to see shoots, little shoots of growth in your life, in certain areas of the, the, your lives that you identified at the start of the year. And I've asked you to share stories uh, of growth that you uh, have seen around you, maybe in your own life or in, in how you see God moving in other people's lives. And Jeff has asked just to come and share very briefly about uh, an area. He's, oh, look, he can't wait. Come up here. <laughs> the Energizer Bunny. Uh, grab a microphone. Uh, either one, e either either. So Jeff, yeah, just wanted to share a little bit uh, about an area at, where he's seen real growth um, in the life of the church. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. You may have noticed. Um, but I'm really excited I get to do this. I see, just, you know, we're talking about growth. And I, and I, and a few weeks ago I saw, am I, am I coming through? Am I, okay, because I can't hear myself, so I'm like, okay. Um, so a, so a few weeks ago, I saw something when I was at, I was attending Open Table, which I've been, I, I've been attending regularly, Anya and I have been attending regularly for, I want to say the last year, maybe it's more, maybe it's less, I actually don't know exactly, but, but, uh, but it's been, uh, there's just, I just saw something that I just had to, I've been excited about, and I just wanted to share with you guys. So, um, again, been going for, for about a year. By the way, for those of you who don't know about Open Table, all right, it is, we have, basically this church has two services. One is, in case you didn't know what day it was today, this is your Sunday service. So you guys are here on a Sunday. Um, but there's a service that happens on a Thursday uh, at noontime, and 
for the longest time, I, I thought of, uh, before I started going to Open Table, I saw Open Table more as a, a ministry to the, the poor and the marginalized, um, a, a program, a, some kind of, you know, where we provide a meal. And, um, but I've, but it, it's, it, we need to stop seeing it that way. I, and I, I, it shouldn't be seen that way because it is, it is it's church. And God is moving, and I'm, I'm just, it's amazing. Actually, Frank and I enjoy just chatting about how God is moving. Um, so it, it's church, it's, it's, it's part of our church, and it's my church. I just love it. I, I love the people there. I just, uh, so a few weeks ago, I'm sitting there, and I'm talking, and I'm just having this, this conversation with someone, and, I, and I'm interrupted by this boisterous laughter coming across from another table. And I look around, and I see people having fun <laughs> and connecting. And I look everywhere. I start looking all over the place. And there's just every table, people are connecting. People are talking. People are, are enjoy, they're enjoying their meal, but they're enjoying each other and their company and the stories. And... Um, and it was the first time that I saw real community. And, from, and I, I don't know, I, I feel like it wasn't there when I first started going. I, did, I didn't see that when I was first started going. Um, and so I'm seeing this, so we're talking about growth, and I've seen, I've seen Open Table grow into a community. People are connecting, and I just, I, it's... It's the most exciting thing um, to witness, and just I'm I'm just so grateful for it. Um, and it made me think. It made me. I, I was sort of pondering, like, where is this? Where is this coming from? Like, what's the difference between what I saw before and what I'm seeing now? And I think it comes down to, um, and I've I've concluded that it comes down to presence. There's people, the people that come to Open Table are present. They go there and it's, they don't just show up for a meal. They are present. And in that present, they, in their, their presence, they are engaging with each other. And, and I'm seeing God move through that. And so, and maybe that's, and so, and I, I had to think also for myself, maybe that's something where, I um, maybe I also uh, need to be conscious about being present where I am because when I'm present at open table instead of just showing up at open table I see this I can see community so I just want to invite you guys to I, I don't know where you are right even just this morning I want you guys to think maybe maybe consider. Um, you know, are you present, or did you just show up here this morning? Um, and so, and then I want to encourage you guys to, if you have not in the last year uh, made time to come to Open Table, make time to come to Open Table somehow. I know, you might have to take a couple of hours off work, it's inconvenient, I don't know. I know it doesn't work for everybody, but if Please make it a priority to come and be present because it is, because um, it is, oh, it's church. It's a wonderful, uh, and it's it's exciting to be there. So, 
So I just wanted to say that. Hallelujah. I, I don't, thank you. I don't know if, um, I didn't talk about this, to, but I was like, I'm going to be with the, with the kids in the, with the next generation um, for a little bit, but actually if, if you guys would like to, after, um, I would actually like to pray for Open Table and all that God's doing for Open Table. So maybe after the service, I'll, I'll hear the songs and stuff. Maybe after the service, if we're willing to, to kind of gather on the side, those of you who want to pray, um, and maybe we can get together and pray for, for Open Table and all that, he's, all that God's doing. Just let the Holy Spirit lead us from there. I don't know if you guys would like to do that, but I just have a real desire to do that right now. So thank you guys for letting me share. Have a great service. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it needed to be said. God is moving on a Thursday in big, big ways. Big, big ways. Come and and see what he's doing. Um, So thanks, Jeff. One of the ways we can grow in our faith here at City View is through our life groups. And uh, we currently have two that meet Uh, during the week. And the idea of a life group is basically to get together in smaller groups for times of study and chat and prayer and sharing and fun and laughter. And and basically, we just do life and share life together in a small group. Um, So if you're not involved, it's a really, it's a great way to to grow your faith, grow your relationships with each other, but grow your relationships in Christ. Uh, and if you're not involved, I'd encourage you to get involved. Now, here's a, uh, I just wanted to show you a few videos uh, of what goes on in our life group sometimes. <laughs> Steve, why don't you, here we go. Well, yeah. oh! Whoa! Oh! Hey, that was a double one. <laughs> <laughs> Right. What well, the next one? Please don't. There we go. Oops, the edge. Yeah, go on, Frank. Look at the concentration. Okay, now what have these videos, oops, what have these videos got to do with anything? What have these videos got to do with our relationship with Jesus, growing in faith and our time here this morning? Well, there's a link. There's a link between these strange goings on at the Josh household our word for the year grow and the series that we're doing on spiritual disciplines. It will all become clear. Just bear with me. One of the areas that you've identified uh, as an area that you want to grow in this year was in spiritual disciplines. A number of you have said that. 
those habits that help us grow in our relationship with Jesus. And so we've been looking at some of them. We, we looked at meditation, the habit of meditation, finding a regular time to be still with God and His Word and allow God to be God and allow Him to give you His perspective. Tanya's been telling me that she's doing a lot more walking to and from work at the moment and she's meditating as she walks. Praise God, that's wonderful. Uh, we've also looked at the habit of prayer finding a regular time to come into God's presence and just have a conversation, an intimate conversation where you can pour out your heart, all your joys and your fears, uh, and know he's listening. Uh, And then we looked at the habit of confession. Confession, finding time to be still and examine our hearts. Um... And release all the fear and the shame and the guilt that hinder us and our relationship with God. Uh, A time to cleanse and heal. And then the last time I was with you, we looked at the discipline of celebration. Yes, there is such a thing. Rejoicing in the day that the Lord has made. And rejoicing in what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do in our lives. Celebrate the little things as well as the big things. And so we've looked at all of these disciplines, and they're all great to have, but we must remember that they are only tools to help us grow. They will not in and of themselves be the source of our growth. Just by doing all those things won't necessarily make us spiritual giants. It's a bit like a car. You could have a fantastic car. You could have the best windscreen wipers ever. You could have the most up-to-date headlights. You could have heated leather seats. And they're great, aren't they? And you'd sit in your car. But you wouldn't go anywhere. You wouldn't move. Why? Because you need the engine. You need gas and you need wheels. Jesus is the engine. Holy Spirit is the gas and God is the wheels and the chassis. You have to remember that growth comes from our relationship with the triune God. And uh, it's important to remember that as we look at the spiritual disciplines. Especially the one we're going to look at today. Okay. Let's go back to the, quest, the original question this morning. What links the video, the videos of the strange people tossing pancakes, what links that with spiritual growth in our lives and an important spiritual discipline? Well, it's one word, and it's this word. Lent. Lent. What? Lent. Now, some of you with limited traditional church background may not know this word. But let me give you a little bit of background. You see, the Anglican and Catholic churches break down the religious year into periods. So, we have uh, uh, seasons of Advent. We have seasons of um, Christmas and of Epiphany, which comes after Christmas. And then we have things like Ascension and Pentecost and Lent. So they break them up into certain seasons. And it so happens 
that this coming Wednesday, we're entering the season of Lent. Really, Trevor? Yes. Lent, what is it then? What is Lent? Well, Lent is a period of 40 days. Well, in fact, 46 days if you include Sundays, but don't, don't get me on to that. And it ends on Easter Sunday. And it's a season where we reflect upon our mortality, on our brokenness, on our sinfulness. Not just in a doom and gloom sort of way, but with a sense of anticipation and hope because we're preparing for the life-changing events that come uh, at Easter. And because of this, Lent is sometimes known as a period of bright sadness. During Lent, you see, we move from the mess of our condition of broken people to something new and beautiful in Jesus that we experience on the cross on Good Friday and the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. So Lent is a season of reflection and of hope and growth. And one of the uh, activities associated with Lent, that time, involves a spiritual discipline. In fact, lo and behold, the spiritual discipline we're going to look at this morning. It's the spiritual discipline of fasting. Fasting. Get to that in a minute. Okay, but why the pancakes? And the tossing of the said pancakes? Well, now bear with me. The Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of Lent, which is this coming Tuesday and Wednesday, is known as Shrove Tuesday. Or in some countries, Mardi Gras. It's the day when traditionally people would prepare to fast during Lent, the 40 days in Lent, by using up all those basic things in the house like flour and eggs and milk, which you make pancakes with. And so what they would do on the Tuesday before the Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, is they'd make loads of pancakes and they would eat loads of pancakes in preparation for the fast for the 40 days of Lent. But why the tossing of the pancakes? Well, the tossing of the pancakes comes from a strange English tradition. Aren't they all? <laughs> Where people on Shrove Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday, which is the start of Lent, take part in races in towns all over England, carrying a frying pan and tossing pancakes as they run. What is the theological significance of that, Trevor? I have no idea. I don't think there is any. But hence the happenings that go on at the Josh household and will go on this Tuesday. If you have nothing to do this Tuesday evening, come. Come and toss pancakes with us as we prepare for Lent. Are you still with me? I think I've lost half of you here already. Anyway, fasting. That's what we're talking about. Fasting. 
Why are we looking at fasting, Trevor? Isn't that something that people did way back when? Isn't that just for those religious fanatics, the fast? How can fasting actually help us to grow in Jesus? Talk to us about something that's relevant, dude. Fasting? Well, these are all good questions. And I'm sure fasting is not an everyday topic at your dinner table. And maybe many of you probably have never, ever heard a sermon on fasting. And after this one, you may not want to hear one again. But I'm going to ask you to bear with me this morning. Because here's what I hope to do. I hope to show you that fasting is actually a spiritual discipline, a habit that is so relevant to our spiritual lives and our spiritual growth today. I hope to show you that fasting in its widest sense can help us get our lives back into sync with God. Help us readjust the balance of our lives so that Jesus can take his rightful place in them. That's my mission this morning, and I've chosen to accept it. So here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to tackle it. I want to briefly give you a a scriptural background to fasting. I want to look at why we should fast, and then, most importantly, I want to look at earthing this teaching by seeing how we can practically do this in our lives. And I'm going to end with a challenge for the coming Lenten series. Okay, what is fasting? What is fasting? Well, uh, let's define fasting. This is a generally accepted definition of fasting amongst Christians. This is what it is. Fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that is in itself good, like food, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. That's a great definition of fasting. Basically, the point of fasting is to create space in our lives where we connect with our need for Jesus. To set aside something in order to focus on Jesus. Okay? And fasting generally relates to food, but not exclusively, and we'll see that later. Let me also start by saying that fasting is not a command in Scripture. Fasting doesn't have the same place in Christianity that that it does, for example, in Islam. The fasting that Muslims do during the month of Ramadan is a requirement of every real Muslim. You can't really claim to be a Muslim if you say, well, actually, I'm not going to do Ramadan. But fasting doesn't have that kind of place in Christianity. There's not a command. But even though there's no command to fast in Scripture, there are plenty of references to it, suggesting that fasting is actually as valuable to our Christian lives as prayer. 
and the other spiritual disciplines that we've looked at. And I want to touch on some of those now. And, and fasting can take many different forms. You could have the normal fast, which is abstaining from all food. Uh, I've just put up a load of biblical references. I'm not going to go through them all. Uh, but if you want to uh, do that later on, you can do. Uh, but it's like the, uh, the fast that Jesus did. Remember in the desert where he went and he was tempted by, by the devil? He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He abstained from all food. Uh, the second one is, is a partial fast, abstaining from certain foods. Now, you'll find this. Daniel did this, uh, and he said in Daniel um, 10 there, it says, I ate no choice food during his fast. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So basically he's saying no Big Macs, no Shiraz, and none of this uh, oil of ule stuff. I didn't touch any of those for three weeks, but I did other things. A partial fast. Uh, there's also a private fast um, on your own, in private. Jesus talked about this when he, uh, when he talked about the Pharisees, the hypocrites. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their fo- faces to show... Uh, men that they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your, uh, your Father who sees what is done in secret will re- reward you. So Jesus is saying there's fasts where you don't tell anyone that you're fasting. You don't sort of look as though you're fasting. You, you, uh, you do it in, in private. That's private fast. There's also in Scripture the congregational fast, which is a call for an assembly of specific people to fast. Like City View, we're calling a church fast. So no lunch today. Uh, And you'll see that happening in in Joel, Joel chapter 2. Okay. I I decided not to do the subject of fast uh, during our Connection Sunday, because that might have wouldn't have been very good if we had lunch afterwards. Um, And the last one is is a national fast where God or a ruler calls the nation to fast for some reason. Uh, I read uh, in the 1700s, the king of Britain at the time, king of England at the time, uh, they were being threatened by the French, those nasty French. And so he called for the nation to fast and pray. Uh, and it worked. The nasty French didn't invade us. <laughs> so there's five um, uh, forms of, of fasting. And there, there are numerous other references to fasting throughout Scripture. 77 references to fasting. So fasting has been and remains an important part of a believer's life. But, but why fast? What is the purpose of fasting? Well, let's look at what fasting isn't, first of all. Fasting is not a weight loss program. Okay, now you will lose weight if you fast from food. uh, And sometimes fasting from food is good. A good cleansing of the body is good physically. But that's not the reason why we fast. 
Um, we don't uh, fast to, to twist God's arm, you know, to do what we want him to do. Lord, I'm fasting for a new car, so can you give me a new car? That's not the reason why we fast. We don't fast either to score brownie points uh, with God or, or others by proving how religious we are. You know, like the Pharisees that Jesus was talking about in that previous scripture. You know, did I, did I tell you that I'm fasting? Yes, I know. All food. It's my 75th day. Thank you. No, you don't do that. That's not the reason why you fast. Why do we fast? Well, the purpose of fasting, as we said, is basically to create space in our lives where we connect with our need for God. Fasting is a way of focusing on God's presence and to better hear his voice. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Well, maybe we would do it to strengthen prayer. Maybe to help us pray. Fasting in Scripture is always, always, always linked to prayer. People fasted and prayed. You fast and pray. Jesus fasted and prayed. The abstinence of food or some other desire deepens our focus on God through prayer. Now, for, for those of you who have fasted in the past, uh, maybe you could testify to that. I know uh, that whenever I've done it in the past, prayer just seems to come a bit easier, but it deeper. There's something that goes on as we fast and pray. So maybe you want to do it to strengthen prayer. Maybe you want to fast to seek God's guidance. A couple more references there. In Judges 20, what happened there? The, there was 11 tribes of Israel. They were prepared for war against the tribe of Benjamin. And even though they outnumbered the, ben, uh, the Benjamin tribe 15 to 1, they lost the battle. And it wasn't until we are told that they prayed and fasted that the Lord said to them during the prayer and fast, go tomorrow because I'll give you victory then. And they did. But it was only after they pray, uh, prayed and fasted. Um, in Acts before Paul and Barnabas would appoint elders in the church that they founded, we're told that they always first prayed and fasted to receive God's guidance. So people would fast when they had a really important decision to make. We know friends of ours who were missionaries in Turkey, and they were deciding whether they were coming back to England or they were staying in Turkey. They didn't know. And, and they fasted for three weeks uh, and prayed so that they could hear God's voice clearer. So sometimes in important decisions, we may need to, to fast as well as pray. Um, we might fast to seek healing or, and protection. This is perhaps one of the most common reasons to fast in Scripture. In 2 Chronicles, King Jehoshaphat was told that this vast army was coming against him. 
and his people and he was so afraid and so he called out to the people that please pray and fast for Judah. And people from all over Judah came together to seek help and protection from the Lord and they, they prayed and fasted because of that. In Ezra, uh, we read Ezra leading a group of exiles back to Jerusalem and he called the people, he said, look, we need to pray and fast for our protection as we go back to Jerusalem. Um, a friend of ours, uh, one, when, they, when Linda first was diagnosed with breast cancer the first time, a good friend of ours said, I'm going to fast for you. She, she was an amazing uh, woman. She was a mother of four kids. And she was cooking meals and everything, but she didn't eat anything for a month to fast for Linda's protection and healing during that time. So there's, uh, that could be another reason. Uh, or to express repentance and a return to God. See, fasting can also form part of confession. It, it means you're actually uh, serious about this repentance, about confessing. Um, and you'll see, I, I, I won't go into them now, but in First Samuel and in Joel, you'll, you'll see that happening there. And, and fasting is not only associated with dire circumstances. You think, oh, this is fasting. No, see, sometimes it can be to express worship and love. Um, in Luke 2, we read about a woman called Anna. Anna, who who we're told loved to worship God. And, and it says in Luke 2.37, she never left the temple, but worshipped day and night. How did she worship? It says by fasting and praying. So fasting can be a, a part of your celebration as you come and um, focus on God. So there's five reasons why we would want to seek God's presence in a deeper way through fasting. But, for me, I think the most important reason to fast is to bring your life back into balance. Fasting enables us to remove the good but ultimately insignificant stuff that sits on the throne of our lives. And fasting helps us put Jesus back on it, where he belongs, in his rightful place. Let me explain what I mean by that. One of the things that touched me, and I know many of you from Nathan's talk last week. If you've not heard it, it's now on our website, so you can go onto it, listen to it. But one of the things that spoke to me, touched me, was was when he spoke on the authority of Jesus. Putting ourselves under the authority of Jesus. Making Jesus Lord of every aspect of our lives. And, and he was talking about sort of um, going and making disciples. But he rightly said that folk in Vancouver, probably around the world as well, but it's heightened here I think, find this the hardest thing to do. You know, they might say, I like Jesus. I actually like the teaching of Jesus. But as soon as you say, great, 
So what you need to do now is surrender to the authority of Jesus. And people will say, authority? Me? Under the authority of someone? No way. I'm not interested. And they run a mile. But you see, it can be equally tough for those of us who have already come to faith. Surrendering ourselves, our will, our actions, our future into the hands of Jesus is tough. It's very tough. And fasting helps us to do that. How? Because fasting exposes our rampant self-sufficiency. It exposes the false priorities of our lives. And ultimately, fasting helps us to embrace our real need. You see, and here's why fasting is so relevant for us and our growth. This is the big point. This is the take home. It's taken me a little while to get there. Thank you for bearing with me. You can wake up now. But fasting allows us to identify who or what is Lord of our lives. Who or what sits on the throne of our lives? And then fasting helps us to adjust, to rebalance our lives so that Jesus becomes Lord once more. Do you get that? Do you understand that? In essence, fasting helps us to put Jesus back on the throne. So if we fast from food, for example, we're saying that Jesus and spiritual sustenance is more important to us than food and physical sustenance. Putting Jesus back on the throne of your life. See, when we give up food in some capacity, it's a constant reminder that actually there's more to life than food and drink. Fasting is traditionally from food because, you know, our stomachs have surprising power over our lives. It's why Satan tempts Jesus. You remember at the end, right at the very end of his fasting, he said, Jesus, come, come, come on. Here's some bread. Some physical bread. Come on, Jesus, that's important. And do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, many people do fast from food um, for this reason. But maybe it's not food. Or chocolate. Or something that rules your life. It might be drink. Alcohol might have become the Lord of your life. You might need to give that up for a while. To realize that actually it's Jesus that gives life, not Johnny Walker. It might be that social media has become Lord of your life. 
and sits on the throne of your life. But you might need maybe to give it up for a while to realize that your worth comes from Jesus, not from the number of likes you get on a picture. I know, know people who have given up social media for Lent. Tough. Tough. Let me take your phones away for an hour. How would you feel? It could be. It could be Netflix. Netflix may be the Lord of your life. It may sit on the throne of your life. It could be something as good as exercise. I'm not dissing exercise. Exercise is good. Me and spin class are going crazy at the moment. <laughs> but it has exercise become your God? Could it be work? Now, now hear me on this. I know that you can't give up work for Lent. Don't go to your boss tomorrow and say, my pastor said I've got to give up work for Lent. I'm not coming in for 40 days. No, it's not. You can't do that. But maybe work has, is sitting on the throne of your life right now. Maybe work has become the Lord of your life. And maybe you need to realize that God is actually more important than that. Maybe practically it means, actually, I start leaving work on time. For a period, I, please hear me, I've worked in the real world before. I understand that. But maybe it's time for a week. You say, you know, this week, I'm going to get home from work on time. And I'm not going to work from home. Just tell your boss you passed the that. <laughs> Could be moaning. Maybe moaning has become Lord of your life. Maybe moaning sits on the throne of your life right now. And maybe for some of us, we need to say, you know what, I'm going to put moaning to one side for a while so that I can realize that, you know what, God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Maybe anger, maybe anger sits on the throne of your life. Maybe anger is the Lord of your life right now. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's despair. Maybe another person sits on the throne of your life other than Jesus. Maybe you have put your trust in that person more than you trust Jesus. I've got an okay from Lin for Linda to share this story, but um, again, when she was first diagnosed with cancer, we, uh, we were panicking. And we were listening to the doctors and listening to statistics. They were throwing everything at us and say, you've got to have chemo, you've got to have chemo, you've got to have chemo. And we realized that we were trusting more in the doctors than we were in Jesus. 
again, please hear me. <laughs> the doctors are great, and they do great work. And they, um, they have allowed Linda to be here now, so I'm not knocking that. But what we decided was, or Linda decided, that she was going to not start chemo for a week. They wanted her to start straight away. She said, I'm going to wait a week. Because I want to get my focus back on trusting Jesus, not purely on trusting statistics and doctors. Again, please hear me. I'm not saying that doctors are bad. I'm not. But where's your trust? Where's your trust? You see, fasting, whatever it is, allows you to realign your life. Fasting allows you to take whatever is Lord of your life and put it in its proper place. However good. Under the Lordship of Christ. In the shadow of the throne of Christ. Because it is Jesus who is Lord. Jesus reigns. Jesus sits on the throne of your life. Not these other things. So that's why fasting is good for us. Because it readjusts the balance in our lives. Perhaps this Tuesday, as you toss and eat pancakes, you need to reflect on who or what is Lord of your life. And how about we use this period of Lent to fast, whether it's the whole 40 days, whether it's part of it, whether it's a week here or there, we're not legalistic. But why don't we give up that thing that has taken over our lives and replace it with the love and grace and mercy of Jesus? Turn your thoughts and time and effort over to Jesus instead of this one thing. What is it that you need to fast from? See, I told you this would be different. I told you this would be uncomfortable. I told you this would be challenging. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to come and to bring clarity to our mind and our thoughts, to bring courage as we think about what is it that comes before Jesus in my life right now? However good it is. And how in these next coming days and weeks, can we readjust the balance? What is it that you need to fast from?
going to encourage you to either write something down, stick it on the fridge, or tell someone straight after the service what that thing is. Because you know what happens is if you keep it to yourself, it doesn't happen. Father, I want to thank you. I thank you. Thank you that Jesus is Lord. Jesus reigns over all. Jesus reigns in our lives. And Father, we, we confess that at times we, we don't put him first. We don't put you first. And Lord, I pray that uh, you'll help us to identify those areas that get in the way. And Lord, help us, give us the courage to put you first, even for a short period of time, Lord. And help us to see how our lives can be when Jesus reigns supreme. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for these people. Be speaking to them now, we pray.